Mystery is at work all the time. We just don't get to see it visible very often. But this time I did. Hey, 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 so glad you're here. This is Tracking Yes, and you are exactly where you're meant to be. I'm your host, Liz Wilson, coach, creator, and round-the-clock philosopher. And this, my friends, is where the magic happens. Join me and my guests for stories that will inspire you to dial up your curiosity, fine-tune your courage and wisdom, and create an empowered relationship with whatever's happening now. There is so much more magic than meets the eye operating in our day-to-day lives. Today, I'm sharing a tale of the threads of connection that weave us intimately into the cosmos and that extend well beyond what the practical, logical mind can imagine. It's also a real-time story of tracking yes, a journey of abandoning the plan and trusting the clues that were appearing rather than seeking certainty to guide the way. Before we jump into the show today, I want to let you guys know that I've implemented a structure where if you're loving the show and you're getting a lot of value from it, you can support it with your patronage. Subscription starts as low as $3 a month, which may seem like nothing, but every time somebody subscribes, even at that low amount, it supports the work I'm doing to bring you guys clear, well-edited, and hopefully engaging and inspiring stories and conversations. I love to do it, and being a one-woman creative team of interviewer, producer, editor, and publisher adds up to a ton of work per episode. Ideally, I'd love to never put ads on the show. I'd rather just, if you love the show and choose to support it, I'll take that wind in the sails with deep appreciation. So if you care to become a patron, you can go to trackingyes.com and click on the support the show link in the top right of the navigation panel. And for that, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Okay, I don't even know how to tell this story because it's so bizarre that it happened. Let me start by saying, here's why I want to share this story. What I am becoming clear on is mystery is at work all the time. We just don't get to see it visible very often. But this time I did. So... When my dog Lily died last June, I took some time to grieve her. And then I eventually I started to feel into what might my next dog be. I was thinking maybe an entirely different breed, like Aussie Shepherd or Border Collie, or maybe a rescue dog this time. But then in early December, I went to meet a breeder of Golden Retrievers because I got a hit in October this is what your next dog needs to be. Even though I was not planning to get another golden retriever at all, through a series of events, which I won't get into here, this message came in, dark red male golden retriever. So I started to look around at some breeders and there was a a site that looked like they had some really beautiful dogs and they were responsible breeders and I went to meet them and fell in love with their dogs. Oh my God, it was like 10 golden retrievers from the age of four months to 10 years old. Dog pile for an hour. It was absolute heaven. 
And they were lovely people. The, the male and female they had, I thought, oh man, that would be a beautiful pup coming from them, were not going to be bred until next summer. And at first I thought, that's a long time away. But then I'm like, that's okay. What, like, what is the rush? So lovely people, lovely dogs. I put a deposit down and I said, whenever it happens, I just would love to get a dog from you at some point. Okay, carry on with my life. Do, 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 do. I'm, that is my plan now. Don't want to look at any other dogs. And then about a week after that, my neighbor who volunteers at the local SPCA said, oh, hey, there are some puppies at the SPCA because someone left them in a cardboard box at the Canadian Tire parking lot. Okay, I will go look. I went on the website and I looked at the pictures of all these super cute little puppies. Nope, my heart is already taken. Carry on. So, getting on with my life, planning for next summer, getting a pup. And this friend of mine who has a golden retriever from a breeder a couple hours away from here said, I just wanted to show you the breeders that I got my pup from have just posted that their dogs had pups in the first week of December, dark red golden retrievers that will be ready to go February 1st. And I'm like, nope, got my plan love these other breeders, going to get a dog in the summer. And I was filling out an application to go away on a course in March at the time. And so I had that application open and then I think, well, maybe I should just, I don't know, fill out their application and look at their pups. And so I had the application for their pups up and I had the application for the course I was going away on if I got accepted. And I filled out the application for the puppies and I sent it in. And then I filled out the application for the course and sent that in. And then I just waited to see what would happen. And the breeders got back to me and said, oh, we would like to set up a meeting with you on Zoom. That's how we do it. We talk about, you know, different things and we see if it's a fit. And if it's a fit, at that point, you would give us a deposit. And I guess there's no reason to not have a meeting with them. But first, I want to see if I get into this course, because if I get into the course, I'm going away for eight days in March, so pro probably not a good idea to be getting a puppy in 1st of February. So I'm waiting for the breeders to get back to town a few days later to have a meeting with me, and I get notification that I was accepted into the course that I applied for. So now I'm like, okay, but I'm, uh, what am I doing? Am I getting a puppy now, or am I going on this course? no, I really want to go on the course. And so I sent my deposit, I booked my flights, I'm going. And, and anyway, I don't want to raise a puppy in February. Like I don't want to be house training, going outside in the middle of the night when it's minus 20 in the middle of winter. I don't want to do any of that. But it never hurts to have a relationship with another good breeder, especially since the breeder that I have my deposit in have been having troubles breeding this dog. Plus they have a wait list of other people. So if she has a small number of pups in her litter, I'm fairly far on the list, one of the last ones in. So it's not a sure thing. So I should just, you know, explore this thing that's cropping up. And so I get on the phone with, with Gideon, who's the breeder. And, but I like, when I get on the phone with him, I am 95% 
nope, not doing it, not doing this litter now, just having a conversation, opening a conversation. Well, after half an hour on the phone with him, he reframes every single resistance that I have to getting this pup now in really ways that make a lot of sense. I said, okay, but here's the other thing. I'm going away. I'm going away and the pups will only be three and a half months old at that time. And he said, well, what's your plan for, for puppy care when you go? I said, I have no plan. I, I'm planning to not get a puppy, so I have no plan. But if I did, there's a friend of mine that I would ask because I would want someone who would come and live in the house. So I said, okay, I need to figure out if this is even going to work, like if I can arrange care, and then I will get back to you. And he said, okay. So I call my friend, Maria, who loves dogs and has taken care of Lily in the past and said, hey, might you be interested in coming and staying here, looking after a puppy? And she said, well, that I have the time available, but I've never like looked after. My experience with puppies is come in, play, play, play. Woo, you're so cute. Leave. And so she said, I don't even know what's involved in looking after a puppy. I said, well, Here's what I can tell you. If, first of all, hopefully it will be housebroken by the time you get here. But if not, you will have to get up in the middle of the night. And she's like, okay, well, I'm up in the middle of the night anyway. So that's okay. I said, okay, also it may have accidents in the house and you'll have to clean them up. And if it's uncontained, you're going to have to watch it 100% of the time. And if it is contained, it might not want to be contained and it might be bark, 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 driving you nuts. And she said, hmm, I can do all of that. I can do it. I'm in. Okay, awesome. So now I'm feeling everything is starting to turn toward this decision. And meanwhile, I'm also doing some shamanic journeys, asking Lily what is important for me to know about getting this pup or the timing of getting this pup. And the guidance I'm getting from her and my other helping spirits is it doesn't matter what dog you get. And I'm like, well, if it doesn't matter what dog I get, how am I going to decide? And she said, you're not deciding. Just trust us and keep taking the steps that are laying out in front of you. And I realize now what she meant is no decision that we ever make is made by our individual self as much as we think it might be. And if we just feel our way and keep taking the next one clear step, it helps the most alive decision manifest out of the world of emergent possibility. Because I'm listening, I'm getting clues, I'm following the clues, and all all that wants to support something good happening is whispering those things to me. And when I take a step, I'm creating more information for the ones who are working with me and guiding what wants to happen next. It's this cooperative, collaborative unfolding that requires my participation, but is definitely not all on me, even if I wanted it to be. It just isn't. And what wants to happen isn't predetermined. It's becoming apparent as all the things that are weaving together keep coming into 
relationship with each other. It's like an, it's an evolving thing. Okay, so that's what I was doing. And that's, and then when it went so easily with getting this care set up for when I'm away, I went from 95% I'm not getting this dog now to 85% I am. But I think I need to have one more conversation with Gideon. And just like my biggest concern is I can't remember exactly what is involved in puppy training, but I know there's a period of not much sleep and I can't remember how many times you have to get up in the night and for how long. So I need to ask him about this because it really is, I can't get run down and get sick before I go or I won't be able to go on my trip. So I set up another meeting with him, but the night before that meeting, all of a sudden, it's like 11 o'clock at night, it comes into my mind, what about a rescue dog? What happened to that idea? I thought you were gonna you know, explore that avenue a little more. So I log on to the Bow Valley SPCA website and there's a two-year-old female, you know, the typical um, rescue dog looking tan dog, dark muzzle. They call it a shepherd, but it's not a shepherd. It's a shepherd cross with a million other things. But she's She's two years old and there's there's just something about her. Her name's Maddie. And if I was going to get a rescue dog, she is what I would imagine. This was what fit, fills the bill. And even two years old is a little old, but not bad because, you know, she's got some level of maturity. And, and she had just been put on the site that day, the day I decided to look. I'm still feeling 85% drawn toward this puppy, but why don't I just see how the conversation goes tomorrow night? So next day I get on the phone with Gideon and he answered the questions and I I just felt like everything, I keep trying to have it not be this pup now, all my practical reasons, and everything just keeps saying it's a yes. So I feel like, okay, just pull the trigger. It's time. Get this pop. Oh, and the one other thing, I forgot this one. The one other thing, because every every resistance I had, I was in my puppy application. He said, is it the right time? And I said, well, I believe the dog picked you as much as you picked the dog. And so I won't know till I'm in person with the dog if it's the right time and the right pop. And then they respond to the puppy application by saying, here's how we operate. We ask you some questions, we figure out what you want in a dog, and then we puppy test our, our temperament test our puppies and we match the right puppy to who we think is the right owner. And then at eight weeks, you just come and pick up the pup that we have picked for you. And I'm like, what? No. And I call my friend Beth and say, what's the deal? And she said, yeah, I knew that wasn't going to fly with you. And I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, I don't love that. I don't love that idea. But then I realized, what did I think? Do I think you're going to get a puppy and you're just going to get the pick of the litter? The people who are selling the pups can't give everybody the pick of the litter. So there has to be some system at play. And I actually never, I remembered, I never picked Lily. In fact, with Lily, I was the last in line to pick because I thought I was just getting a pet and everyone else was getting a working dog. I didn't know at the time that we were gonna become an avalanche rescue dog team. That wasn't my plan. And they said, people are gonna get the dog that will be a good working dog, a good show dog, and then you're just getting a pet, so 
whatever pup is left, that's who you're going to get. But I, I, without getting into this whole story, I absolutely picked, I spent three days with them while they did the puppy testing. They let me come and be there. And I knew what dog I wanted. And Lily knew she wanted me. She, we picked each other. That's for sure. So it just looks like the breeders are picking. But anyway, so, but, but I'm not coming to meet the dog until the day I pick it up. So I said to him, I have a, I, I, he said, I do these charts and I put all the things that you want. And with each puppy, I match the things I'm seeing in their temperament to the different people who are getting a dog's charts. And it all just works out that you're matched with the dog that is the right fit for you. Okay. I get it. It sounds like you know what you're doing. I trust what you're doing. And would I be able to come out at six weeks and just meet the dogs? Because I need to get a feel of the living live dogs, the parents, the pups, the, like I need to feel it for, to be sure. And he said, yes, absolutely. In fact, that would help my determination when I see how you are with the adult dogs and I see how you are with the pups, that will help me determine what is the best fit for you. That's more information. Okay, great. And can I give you my deposit at that time. And he said, I would rather have your commitment now because if you're getting one of our dogs, I want to start charting you and charting the pups that will fit for you. But if you if you are ready to give me your deposit now, we can make it contingent on when you come out here and meet the dogs live. If for any reason you decide it doesn't feel right for you, I will return your deposit. Like if you give me the deposit and a week later you just call and say, oh yeah, I just changed my mind and you haven't come and met the pups, then I'm not gonna give you your money back. But if you come out here and meet them and for any reason it doesn't feel right, then yes. I'm like, okay. So, you know, it's that, it, we both know. I said to him, we both know I'm, I'm a goner once I get in front of those pups and he laughed. But, but anyway, so that's what I did. I sent the deposit I'm in, I have made my decision. Here we go. And then the next day I'm like, should I have gotten a rescue dog? Should I have gone and met Maddie? Why didn't I do that first? No, 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 all this second guessing. And I can get into other reasons that that's going on, which in large part are just, I don't want to get another dog because as soon as I do, I open the door to the next hurt, the inevitable hurt that's coming. And no dog is going to be good enough to replace Lily. So a part of me has just got some whole resistance going around that. But it was also interesting that I wasn't fully settling in, like it felt right to get this pup, but why this hook with the rescue dog? Interestingly. In the move to maybe I'm not going to get the dog next summer that I was waiting for, maybe I'm going to get a dog now, somewhere in there along the way, this thing started to come up that maybe I'm going to have two dogs next. And I'm like, right away, no, not two dogs, twice as much money, twice as much trouble, twice as much work, twice as much no to two dogs. But none of that matters because the reason to have two dogs, well, first of all, one of the most joyful things in the world to me is watching two dogs interact with each other if they 
like each other, like play together and just hang out and sleep with each other. And it's just such a lovely thing. Plus, this is about expanding my family. So maybe down the road, I'm actually going to get a second dog. And what's lovely about that is it started to relieve the pressure of feeling this is the only dog, the last dog I'm ever going to have, and I got to get it right. And so I could just let that go a bit. And then I'm like, do I actually want a puppy? Like with Maddie, do I actually want a puppy or would I rather have a dog that's already house trained and has some maturity? And for me, there is something deeply meaningful about raising a young one up who's who's so unsure of the world and just figuring it all out and helping them find their feet and find their way and come into their own. Number two, and maybe the most important reason is there is something about the innocence of a puppy that is one of the most joyful things in the world to be in the presence of. And yeah, I want to sign up for that again. Absolutely. I don't want to miss that part of my next dog's life. Okay. So I'm settling into this is the choice I've made. And yes, it's a good choice. And then I wake up this morning, which is the second day after putting the deposit down. And the first thing in my mind is Maddie. And I'm like, oh, why? Why is she coming into my mind? Because I don't want the conflict. I just want to move now with this decision that I've made. But anyway, there she was. And then I went for a bike ride with my friend Leslie. And at the beginning of the bike ride, I said to her, because she's been, you know, tracking the whole, am I getting this puppy or not? She's been like, yes, two thumbs up, get this puppy, get this puppy. She, right, the whole, all, she was shooting down all my reasons not to right from, right from day one. So I said, you know, it's interesting. I noticed just before I committed to the puppy, I started to go, oh, what? wait, what happened to the idea of getting a rescue dog? And I saw this dog and, you know, I felt a thing. And then she came into my head again this morning and I'm, oh, should I be going to see her? And she said, you're going to get a dog. You, you know its temperament. You know its parents. You know its health. I said, yeah, you're right. You're right. We carry on on our ride. And then about halfway through the ride, she says, why don't we go ride across the river over by the golf course on the spray loop, which we never do in the winter. And I'm like, oh, you're doing a seller's adventure. And she's like, yeah, I'm just feeling like mixing it up. Okay, well, I have learned to never say no when you say, why don't we go do this? Because we always do have some kind of an adventure. It always becomes something fun So let or, or epic, but whatever. Let's go do it. And I said, but are there, like, can you ride over there right now? Or, and she said, I think the trails will be, will be good, packed from foot traffic. And if it's not and it's soft, we'll just come back. I'm like, okay. So we have our plan. We're going to cross the river, do this loop around, climb a big hill, and then come down this super narrow, steep side hill that I've actually never ridden in the winter. Off we go, and the trail's riding really well. And we loop and come up the big hill, and then we get to a place where you come to these signs where it says, okay, past this point, only skiers, foot traffic, and bikers, no dogs. And we ride about half a kilometer, and we get to the place where we're going to leave the high cross-country trail and turn back and go down this super steep hill. We stop and have a drink of water, and we're, we're talking. 
And this guy comes walking up the trail, which you can't see him till he just emerges at the top because it's so steep. And he comes up walking these two dogs. We say, hey, how you doing? And he's like, good. And he stops to chat because we're stopped. And, you know, I'm curious now about what's involved in raising a rescue dog. What are the kinds of issues you deal with? How much can you tell when you first get them? So I asked him, are your dogs rescue dogs? And he said, yeah, this one's Gracie. We've had her for about seven years. Oh my God, she was so cute. I think she had great Pyrenees in her, this big dog, but she was digging and rolling and playing and coming over to say hi and be pet. He said, and then this one, my girlfriend's mother rescued it about a month ago, but she couldn't handle it. Like she was having all kinds of challenges because it's very protective and it was barking at people and... This dog, by the way, was so chill, like super, super calm. She's just standing there on the end of her leash. Gracie's like rolling around and digging and playing. But this other dog is just very calm. And I said, she doesn't look like a problem dog. And he said, no, she's mostly good. But he said, it's this it's this protective thing. My girlfriend's mom was, it was too much for her. She couldn't handle it. So now we're just trying to see if we can work with her. And I said, she looks so much like a dog that I saw a couple days ago on the Bow Valley SPCA website. And I said, what's her name? He said, it's Maddie. I'm like, Maddie, that's the dog that I saw. And he said, yeah, we asked them to put her picture back on the site because we don't, we're just going to foster her and see if we can work this out. And so it was Maddie. It was the dog, like we're in the middle of nowhere in Banff, which is a half hour away from where I was going to drive to the SPCA to meet her if she was there. And here she is. I wanted to meet her and here she is. So I put my bike down and got low down at ground level and gave her a couple minutes and waited to see if she would come over. But she's, you know, kind of doing her own thing and not really that interested. But eventually she wove her way over and she came up and put her nose right to my nose and looked into my eyes, gave me a little lick on the lips, and then walked away again and went back into her own space and her own program. It was I think even sweeter because she wasn't like, oh, people, like, hi, hi, hi. she was very much her own being. And so it took her some time to come around and just come over and make eye contact with me just for a moment and then leave again. It was so precious. I said, I feel like I should go meet this dog. And here we are. She came. Leslie and I are looking at each other going, one in a billion chance that this could have worked out. This dog of all the dogs and in all the places, here we are. And Ian, the guy who had the two dogs, asked him, is that a trail you walk all the time? And he said, yeah, because it's close to where we live and we can get away from people quicker. But he said, I haven't been in Banff for a few months, much less on this trail. I said, you're saying you have never walked this dog over here before? He said, nope. I I ride my fat bike 60 days a winter and have for about six years. Maybe in all of those hundreds of rides, I have been over here three times. And it wasn't even my suggestion. It was Leslie's. So I said, I said, okay, Ian, I feel like I should just take your name and phone number. 
I don't know why, because I have put a deposit on a puppy and my plan is to get that puppy. And he said, yeah, well, my girlfriend's plan is we're going to make it work. She said, we're not giving this dog back. So I said, yeah, but this is so weird that I just feel like I need to get your name and number and I, I will reach out to you so you have mine. And he said, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And so we did, we exchanged numbers. And then Leslie and I rode away and we're like, how could that be? Okay, so here's where I get to the place because I don't have an answer for you guys yet. It's the same day, right? I don't know what that means. I don't know why that happened, but I know it was magic afoot. Something is going on. And so I guess the first thing I started to do was check in, okay, how does getting the puppy feel now? Because I'm fairly confident if I told Gideon this story and said, I feel like I need to get this dog, he would give me my deposit back. And you know what? If I'm really supposed to get this dog, I'd be willing to lose the deposit for it if that's what I feel like has to happen. So so that's not a deal breaker for me. So I'm just feeling into like, what am I, what's my feeling now about getting this pup? It, like, should I be saying, no, change of plans there? And everything in me is like, oh no, the wheels are in motion. I am not meant to stop this pup coming into my life. So that's not it. I probably am not going to know for some time why that happened, because that's how I have learned mystery works. First, the remarkable, magical, synchronistic thing happens, and then you just have to wait and pay attention. That's how mystery works. It doesn't give you the answer. It gives you the mystery. And then you just have to live in the mystery and live in the question. And that's that's part of what's so wonderful about it is you don't get to know. You just have to trust. Because well, actually what happened was I came home and I did a journey. I put Maddie's picture up. I pulled it off the website and I looked at her and asked her, well, before I asked her anything, actually, I just sat and looked at her picture and I started to feel a lot of grief and compassion and and care come in. And I said to her, I'm, oh, oh, forgot this part. She is the mother of the pups that got left in the box at the Canadian Tire. She is the mother of those pups. What? Come on. Okay, so, but she wasn't on the website when I went to look at the pups because this guy's girlfriend's mother had taken her, right? So I'm looking at her and I'm feeling so much compassion in my heart. And I said, I'm so sorry that the humans that had you before didn't treat you in, in a good, loving, kind way. And I'm so sorry that you had to experience a bunch of additional stress around trying to bring these new pups into the world, these new babes of yours. And I really felt a heart-to-heart connection with her in that moment. And then I asked why she came to meet me on the trail today. And she said, because you asked. And then I asked her, what was important about our meeting today? And she said, to challenge your doubt, to remind you in a way that you cannot dispute, that there are forces of love at work much greater than your brain can imagine, and you can trust them. And, you know, if that is the reason 
for that meeting and it ends there, that was a really important message for me to get right now. And it actually got rid of the second guessing about is this the right dog at the right time? Because it's the only one, the last one. I got to get it right. I got it. It's gone. Because it just reminded me, you were guided to get this puppy. Just keep going. So super wonderful and amazing experience of magic today. And I am also open to the idea that Maddie and I, that was not our last meeting. I don't know. I could imagine maybe in three months, I get a call and they say, we tried to make it work. We couldn't make it work. Okay, let's bring Maddie over and meet the pup and see how they get along and see if there's a connection. Because, you know, maybe I'm going to be a two-dog family. So I don't know beyond what I've already imagined it means. And I don't need to. Oh, and... The course I'm going on in March is called Deep Imagination, and it's about coming into relationship in the world through your imaginal self rather than your intellectual thinking self. So this, so interestingly, right, set me, it's like the first piece of the curriculum for the course before I even get there, because what I'm becoming clear on is when you're dealing in mystery, you really can't practically, logically make sense of things. You have to feel into when I imagine with my heart, with my gut, with my whole being, when I imagine why what is happening is happening, it's a totally different embodied felt engagement with participation in mystery Versus I'm going to put myself out here outside of it and try to think what makes sense here, which just kills all the magic. So mostly I'm recording this story because I think that it's important to track the order of things and the unfolding of things because we tend to forget. And then we'd say, was it really like that unusual and that, or was it? Yes, it was crazy unlikely and unusual and there's nothing I love more than when stuff like this happens because it is evidence to me that there is a vast interconnected harmonious cooperative collaborative web of energy and information that is at play creating magic in our lives all the time thanks for joining me today everyone if you like the show, I'd so appreciate it if you could subscribe and share it with people you think would love it. It's an unpaid labor of love, and your support encourages me to keep it coming. You can find show notes, leave comments, and sign up for my newsletter at the podcast website, trackingyes.com. And you can find more of my work in the world at my coaching website, lizwilson.com. Talk to you next time. And in the meantime, have a great week and keep your compass lined up with yes.